Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I want to use a text as a springboard to catapult us into the topic that I've chosen for today. I'm normally an exegetical preacher. I take a text and I preach it. There's so much. God's Word has more power than I could ever convey with my words. But because I'm preaching on the things dealing with the end times, this series that we've entitled When It's All Said and Done, I'm talking today about is there a place called heaven? So let me just take you to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 through chapter 4, verse 1. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. Now, y'all ought to get excited about this. You got excited about singing. You ought to get excited about the first line. For our citizenship is in heaven. Some of y'all don't know what to do with that. You might be a citizen of Anderson County. You might be a citizen of the town you live in. You are a citizen of the state of South Carolina. You are a citizen of the United States of America. But one of these days, all those things will be gone. But you have a perpetual, eternal citizenship in heaven. That is our home. For our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we belong. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this connects with last Sunday when I preached on the rapture and the resurrection and the return of Jesus. When He comes, He will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body. Remember I told you last week we're going to be have a body like Jesus' body. There you go. According to the working by which He is able to even to subdue all things to Himself. Therefore, My beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown. Listen, because your citizenship is in heaven, because Jesus Christ is coming back, because there is a change, a transformation that is waiting on you, and God has the power to do it, on that basis, you need to stand fast in the Lord. Don't you shipwreck your faith when we're this close. Don't you do it. Don't you back out on Jesus and don't you let somebody in this world talk you into going back into sin. Don't do it. It's not worth it. That's sermon number one. Can't you say praise the Lord? All right, you can be seated. That was just sermon number one. I had to get that out. Okay, I'm going to sit one more time. I've been standing, but I'm going to sit. One Sunday, I'll Pentecostal preacher sitting down. That's just a miracle. Take a picture and put that on a Facebook The first man to go into outer space was a Russian cosmonaut. I don't know if you know that. Maybe you remember studying that in history. Um, When he returned, and I've I've got this in my notes, but somewhere in my brain I'm wanting to think that it may not have been him. It may have been one of the Russian leaders that said this. But either way, he is credited. Uh, Grigory something or another. I didn't look it up, but... It's credited, he said, that, that there was no such thing as God. And here's why the cosmonaut said that, because he had been in the heavens above the earth, and he did not see a divine being up there. Now, that's coming from an atheist communist. We who are Christians, of course, would say that this Russian cosmonaut did not know what he was talking about. He kind of halfway had it right, because in the Bible, the word heaven 
is actually used three different ways. just depends on the context. So sometimes you'll read the word heaven, and it is referring to the sky where the birds fly. And then sometimes it is referring to outer space, to the galaxy. And then there are times when it refers to the dwelling place of God, a spiritual place that is yet very real. I was thinking this morning when I was awake and thinking about this sermon that heaven is a spiritual realm. That's why you can't find it if you just travel with a spaceship through the galaxy because it's not there. It's the, high, it's the third heavens. It's above and beyond this created realm. So it's a spiritual place. God is a spirit. The angels are ministering spirits. And yet there is form and substance there because when John the Revelator went to heaven, he saw tangible physical things. So it's a spiritual place, and yet there are tangible beings as well as spirit beings. So it's an incredible place. And somebody may say, well, is there a place called heaven? And the answer is yes. Heaven is a real place. I don't know why, but my iPad's just talking to me right now, trying to figure out what I'm... It just went into Google search. I just... Go away, Siri. Go away. I'm preaching, not you. So the question is, is there a place called heaven? The answer is yes. Heaven is a real place. It is as real a place as Anderson, South Carolina is a real place. And, and, and so let me repeat myself. It is a spiritual place, and it is the dwelling place of God. Now, those of us who are theologians will say, but God is omnipresent. So God is all places at once. As a matter of fact, I go so far as to say God is reality. Because you cannot live outside of God. Now, I don't believe in pantheism where everything is God. God is, all things exist by Him and, and in Him and yet are not part of Him per se. That, that means the devil's not God or sinful people aren't God. It's, I know it's a mystery, but, but, but God is omnipresent and yet... It is clear from the Old Testament and the New Testament that there is this realm beyond our created world that God inhabits, that it is the place where a person can direct his or her attention towards God. It is, it is the place where God dwells, where the angels dwell, where other people dwell. I'll get into that in just a minute. So heaven's real. And, and I just want to explore some things about heaven today. What what can we learn about heaven? And I want to tie it into what I preached last Sunday when I get closer to the end of the message. I want to start with this. What is heaven like? Now, there are pastors who have preached series on this. There, you can get access. There, there are men who have written books on this subject. And I'm trying to, to put it all together in a synopsis in one sermon. So bear with me. I may answer some questions, and I may generate more questions as, as well as the answers. What is heaven like? So I went to the Bible, and I looked, and there are things that I see. You, know, you may hear some things right now you've never heard before. Let me start with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. There the writer calls heaven a better and heavenly country. He's talking about the people of you know, Hebrews 11 is the chapter of the, of, of the hall of faith, 
So all the people of faith. And he said all of them never got to where they were, we were wanting to get. He said they were looking for a better and heavenly country. Abraham made it from modern-day Iraq to modern-day Israel, the, the promised land. He walked it, but that wasn't the end. He was looking for a better country, a heavenly country. Now, let me focus in on country. I've never read this as far as I know in a, Bible, in a book, but that says to me that heaven could be viewed territorially. It could be, we, we wouldn't call it a landmass, but it is a territory, a country. Now, just bear with me. Again, we're only going to know when we get there. If I was wrong, I know three or four of you are going to come up to me and say, Pastor Chris, you were wrong. And I, because I'm glorified, I'm going to just let you get away with it, grin at you and hug your neck, bless you in the Lord. But there is a crystal river that runs through the city. I'll get to that in a minute. So what does it do? Does it start in a wall, flow through the city, and then just disappear into a wall? Maybe, this, maybe the river runs through the land of heaven, the crystal river. There's a tree of life. If there's one tree, maybe there are, there are forests. Now, I, really, I'm conjecturing here. My dad and I, even up to the day my dad died, my dad had a dog named Pudge. We gave him Pudge, a Shizu, and he died. And my dad is one of those people that believes that there are animals in heaven. And I have not believed that there are animals in heaven, though I constantly get proven wrong because people say, well, have you not read Revelation? Jesus rides back on a horse. And I say, you got me. That still doesn't mean my dog made it. So Dan and I would go back and forth in this friendly bantering. But what if, there's, what if there are horses in pastures and we ride back? I, look, I don't know. I'm just saying it could be territorial. And it seems like it is as if the original Garden of Eden is restored in this area called heaven. And... and Eden, the Garden of Eden, was a massive area. So, it could, look, when the thief died on the cross, I'm just throwing stuff out. Like I said, I may create more questions and answers. When the thief got saved on the cross and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, what did Jesus say? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. I've never heard a city called paradise. Okay? So, so I'm saying it could be this just beautiful with beautiful flora, and it just, I don't know. So that, that, that could be heaven. Here's the second thing. I know that in Revelation, John says that it contains this massive city called the New Jerusalem. And I know there's symbolism in Revelation, and, and we're going to find out when we get to heaven. And some of this stuff that we think is literal may have been spiritual, and some of the things we think that are spiritual is gonna, are going to turn out to be literal. But John took a measuring rod and measured the city. What's the point? Unless he's trying to tell us it's a real city. It's 1,500 miles square. 
That is a massive city. That's, that is a city the size of the state of Rhode Island. What is it? And he said, well, cities can't be that big. Have you ever been to New York or L.A.? I think that landmass is actually bigger than what we're talking about here. When I did my studies, they're like 2,700 miles square. So it's very feasible. And the dimensions of the city then indicate that people, millions of people could inhabit it, which would make sense. The Bible says the streets are paved with pure gold, not asphalt, not concrete, gold. The, the city has 12 access points, gated entrances, and each gate is made out of a pearl. Would you love to see the oyster that that came from? And the walls are made of jasper. And the foundation of the walls have 12 precious stones. That's, that's what the, the foundation consists of. It's interesting that the things that we'll spend our life and money on to buy and hoard, you can get at Lowe's in the New Jerusalem for construction. If there's a city, there must be buildings, right? So I know that there is a temple. Won't be any sacrifices in it. It'll be a place of worship. But in Revelation, there's a temple. We know that there is a judicial-style building that holds the throne room of God, okay? Now, I ask the question, if there are those buildings, are there other buildings? Are there stores? Are there restaurants? Where's the smoking pig? Right? Are there learning centers, training centers, theaters showing Christian movies? You said, Pastor Ernie, are you being silly? I'm not. It's a city. How many of you ever been to New York? New York is a city that never goes to sleep. And I think that's how the New Jerusalem is. There's plenty to do in New York. You don't have to look for it. There are, there's, there's all kinds of it. And I think that's how the New Jerusalem is. I think it's an active city. There's a building called the Father's House. And I believe it's not a, like, like a, an apartment building. I think it's an apartment complex that runs throughout the entire 1,500 square miles of the city. It just runs everywhere. Because if you're going to house millions of people, then it just has to be integrated into one massive complex. You, you can imagine what kind of architect God is. I just can't wait to get there just to see the architectural wonder of heaven. It's filled with millions of rooms. So these are just some of the thoughts that I have about what is heaven like. What does it look like? Now, here's the question. Who is in heaven? So we know the triune God is there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, three in one. God is there. So let's say God is there, okay? We know there are angelic beings there, angels, okay? Now, the angels are ministering spirits, but on earth, they took bodily form. There are angelic, kind of, kind of crazy looking for us, cherubim and seraphim, multiple eyes and wings, okay? God is a creative God. Just because he doesn't do it down here doesn't mean it has to be up there like it is down here. 
We'll see wonders when we get to heaven, things that we could never imagine. So there are angelic beings. And then we know there are all of the Old Testament saints in heaven. When Jesus died on the cross, you see, before Jesus died and rose from the grave, when you died, you went into this place in the heart of the earth called Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom. And it was a pleasant place. It was a nice place. They had air conditioning and, and cable TV and catered food. And I don't know. I'm just making that up. But it was, a, it was a pleasant place. But you were not in heaven in the presence of God. When Jesus died and conquered sin and death, he went into the heart of the earth and he emptied out Hades, upper Hades. And the Bible says he led captivity captive and ascended on high. And that's why now to be, see in the Old Testament, you ever read everybody, all, David and all of them said when you die, you go to Sheol. Nobody said you go to heaven. Now, in the New Testament, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the, the Lord. See, so the Lord has made a way now, new and a living way to God. So every Old Testament saint is in heaven. So think about it. Adam's there, Eve's there, ladies, leave her alone. Don't y'all go up and give her a hard time. Adam's there, Eve's there, Enoch's there, the guy that walked with God. Abraham's there, Isaac's there, Jacob's there, Sarah's there. Okay, King David's there. Solomon's, I mean, uh, Samuel's there, the prophet Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, all these Old Testament, Ruth is there, ladies, Esther is there. Don't y'all want to just get in a room with Esther and just hear her story? See, I think there'll be a building where all the women can go for a massive conference. It'll hold like five million people in this building. Can you imagine the sound system? And Ruth will get up every day and she'll have to tell her story. What was it like? And she'll tell her story and you'll get to hear all the details when you get to heaven. So, so all of them are there. And, and then all the New Testament saints who have died in the Lord the last 2,000 years are there. So the apostles are there. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Thomas, Matthew. They're all there. Wouldn't it be great to sit down with those guys and just say, what was it like to walk the earth with Jesus? Peter, tell me about when you walked on the water. What was it like I just got to know. And, and what happened, some of you real analytical people are going to say, now, when he multiplied the bread and the fish, now, how did that happen? Now, what, what, what did you see? What was the molecular process where there was division of what? It's, it's going to be amazing. You're going to be able to talk to these people. And, and so the apostles are there, all the, all the Old Testament, all the people who have lived for the Lord these last 2,000 years. Let's bring it up to our time. Your family members are there who were saved. Hallelujah. You're, right now, they're there having a glorious time. Okay? Family members are there. Church members that we've known who've died and gone on to be with the Lord. And we miss. We, we look at their seat. And we've got widows and widowers here that are sitting today. And there's an empty seat beside them. They miss their love, but we know where their loved one's at. Their loved one's with Jesus. They're waiting on us. Friends that, that died in the Lord. Maybe they lived on the other side of the country. You couldn't get to their funeral. They're gone, but we know where they're at. They're in heaven with the Lord. Man, what can you just imagine? And then who else is there? Well, at the rapture, you'll be there. Or if you die in the Lord, you'll be there. My dad preached this for years. It's not original, but I love it. And I, I'm glad I remembered. They say that when you get to heaven, there will be three surprises. Okay? Uh, you're gonna, here's surprise number one. You're going to see people there that you didn't think was going to make it. 
Surprise number two is there are going to be some people there that you thought were going to make it. And surprise number three is you made it. <laughs> so <laughs> take that for what it's worth. And I believe with all my heart that your family members are going to be there to greet you when you get there. So I'm going to share something very personal. I know my mom's here, and I've told mom this. My father died last year, July 18th, a Monday night. I will never forget. Be with me for the rest of my life. I have preached funerals. I have sung about heaven. I have preached about heaven. I have looked for the coming of Jesus, and, and my hope is for the heaven my whole life. But since dad died, something has happened inside of me that has changed me. I've told people this individually, but I'm saying it publicly for the first time. I want to see Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being, all right, so just please bear with me. I'm not being spiritual at this moment, okay? Yes, I want to see Jesus. That's number one. That's, that's okay, but I'm not talking about that, okay? That's, and I'm not talking about my faith, and I'm not talking about, you know, you ought to have more trust in God. Please don't do that to me. This is going to help some people. And until you've been where I've been, don't criticize me. You have no right to. You wait till you walk through that valley. Then you get to talk to me about how you deal with it. But I told my mother, I said, I have a change in my whole attitude about how I said, I don't want to die. Okay, I don't want to die. We have something inside of us that fights death. But I'm telling you right now, since my dad has died, my whole attitude has changed towards death. I don't, I honestly, it is not, it is not that big a deal because, and you just have to bear with me because I was like this with my dad. Keith, I know you are with your dad, but I'm like this. When I get there, dad's there. It's changed everything. If I died right now, they took me into heaven. T. David's there. My daddy's there. It changes everything. You say, well, Pastor, you ought to be more spiritual than that. I'm sorry, I'm not as spiritual as you. I'm just telling you, when you, you know, we lay up treasures in heaven, Sometimes that's not works, good works, et cetera. That, sometimes that just means you got loved ones up there that are laid up waiting on you, and, and now, now heaven looks a whole lot better than what you got down here. And that's going to help some people. That's going to help some people. It's changed the whole way I look about death now and everything. Because if I die, it's all right. Dad will be there. It'll be awesome. We'll be reunited. Your family will greet you when you arrive. Don't, what do you think that's going to be like? That your mother, your father, your husband, your wife, your kids that maybe died before you, and they, were, they died in the Lord, and they're, they're waiting on you when you get there. Lord, think about how you're going to act. You know, the Bible says they'll wipe, he'll wipe away all tears. There might be some tears of joy going on when we get to heaven. It's going to be exciting. And here's what I want you to know, because some of you just still haven't got, when I get done today, I want you to get a grip on heaven. Here's what I'm going to tell you. When you get there, is it going to be strange? Nope. It'll feel like home. It'll feel like home. I've had people who have traveled to Israel. I've never been to Israel. My dad wanted me to go. Never been. I'll go one day. It might be in the millennial reign. 
plan to go. But I am told that people who have been to Israel said that it, when you get there and start walking around, it feels like home. Now, why would you do that? You're an American. You're in, an, in a Middle Eastern country, and you're walking around, and you say, man, this feels like home. I think that's how heaven will be. And yes, we will know each other. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then when I get to heaven, I shall know just as I also am known. We'll know each other. I'll know you and you'll know me. And it gets better. Not only will we know the people that we know now, but I believe we will recognize and know and identify everybody else who's in heaven. You say, prove it, okay? When Peter, James, and John were on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, does anybody know who two Old Testament prophets that showed up? Moses and Elijah. And Peter, James, and John didn't have to ask the Lord, who is that? Because he was over there talking to him. They, they sat there and knew immediately. God gave them the knowledge. That's Moses. That's Elijah. Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah. And I believe when you get to heaven, you will know every. See, how many of y'all hate going to a church for the first time, to a, to a meeting for the first time where you don't hardly know anybody? We hate that, don't we? Some of you think when I get to heaven, am I just going to be standing around in a corner going, I don't know anybody. No, you will know everybody. You will know, and it'll be, it'll be strangely wonderful. You, you, will, you, you didn't know Scott Picardi, but all of a sudden, that's Scott Picardi. How do I know that's Scott? Scott, Scott, aren't you Scott Picardi? Yeah, I am Scott Picardi. You're Chris, aren't you? Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. You're going to know everybody. It's going to be like one massive family reunion, except no long-lost cousins are there. And your individual personality survives into heaven. You will be you. If you're a cut up here, you'll probably be a cut up there. If you're a serious person here, you'll probably be a serious person there. If you're warm, if you're whatever your personality is, we'll know you. You, you won't be a robot. Okay, you're gonna be you. I'll be me. And it'll feel normal and natural in a supernatural way. Makes you want to go right now, doesn't it? Here's the best part. If I don't preach this, I'll be remiss. Yeah, all those people will be there, but this is the glorious part. Yep, and Jesus will meet you and greet you when you get there. You'll see him face to face. Now that I've preached in a million funerals, and I don't know what I'll do. Some of you think you're going to run up and give him a big hug. I think most of us will crumble at his feet. I think I'll bawl like a baby. I'll be a blubbery mess, and you probably will be too. 
saying, I don't know why you did what you did, but thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being so, why were you so good to me? I think that's what we'll be doing. Why were you so good to me? I didn't deserve what you did for me, but thank you, Jesus. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Makes you want to go, doesn't it? See, I told you when I started this series, we've got our eyes too much on this stinking world. We're in this world. We better live. we got to live. Raise your family. Have your job. Make money. Pay your tithes. That's a good pastor move right there, wasn't it? Do all the things you want to do, baby. Go for it. That's why we're down here. But live for God. Share Christ with people every chance you get. But don't get too attached down here. Because this world is not our home. It just makes you want to go. What's happening in heaven? I got to hurry. Y'all all right? People often think heaven is a boring place. Just everybody sitting around. You ever been to a family event and everybody's just sitting around and you were going nuts? That's what some people think heaven's like. And we've all seen the, the pictures of the fat cherub. Why are there little fat baby cherubs with wings? My mother-in-law has that in the bathroom. And when we go to her house, and I you go in there in the restroom, get dressed, whatever, I turn around, there's a little big, big, big fat baby cherub hanging on. I'm like, why does she have that up there? It's not even biblical. Little fat, big, big fat baby cherub with wings strumming a heart. Having a good time. That's what people think of heaven. I would think it's boring too. I came here today to tell you, let me go back to New York, the city that never sleeps. I'm telling you, heaven is a bustle of constant perpetual activity. You talk about non-stop energy. Some people love the big cities. I just love living in the big cities because there's all these things to do. Well, then you'll love heaven because there is plenty to do in heaven. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you five things that I know will occupy you in heaven, and I think they have these, and these are some, one of those things you might want to write down. Five things will occupy you in heaven. Number one, worship without distraction. You know, a lot of people, and I love y'all. Y'all know I love you. So if when I talk straight to you, don't get mad at me because I love you. But I, I sit over there, and I always watch people, okay? Now, I'm not picking y'all out, so don't think I got a little book writing your name down saying, lousy worshiper, terrible worshiper, does nothing. I don't do that. But I just watch in general. And some of you look like you're bored. Some of you look like you're distracted. Some of you are doing us a favor because you say, I can't sing a lick, Pastor. You don't want me singing those songs. So I understand but for some people, the concept of worship seems boring. But I'm telling you, when you get to heaven, there will be worship without boredom. You will have a passion and a fire to worship the Lord. If you're struggling now, enjoy your respite because when you get to heaven, I hope you're the one that shows out the most. Because everybody will be happy. We'll be happy over there. We will shout and sing his praises. Everybody will be happy over there. That's what I grew up singing. And you're going to be happy and on fire and passionate. And you are going to sing and rejoice. You want to talk about music, Pastor Billy? There will be most unbelievable. Now, you got to remember, if just the city is 1,500 miles square, 
the size of Rhode Island, there will be worship services going on all over the city. People playing, and there's going to be a reggae section. See, y'all don't think that. Oh, really? Yes, sir. There'll be a reggae section. There'll be a section of people, of saints from Africa, who sing their types of songs and their languages, and they'll be worshiping, and I'm going to go there because I want to get right smack dab in the middle of that. And then there's going to be over here, about 15 miles over, a service with people from, that are Latino from Central and South America. Now, I've been in their services. They put our services to shame. They give it everything they got, and when the preacher's done, then they take about half an hour or more, and they jump and play music and dance and rejoice before they have to walk six miles back home in the dark. They give God all the praise. They're going to be over there doing their thing. And then the Asian people will be, and the, and the European Christians will be doing their thing. And the people from Australia, from down under, are now going to be up yonder. And they're going to be doing their thing. Uh, you understand, it's going to be unbelievable different varieties of music and singing. And it's going to be anointed and powerful. And there'll be choirs. And some of it will be solemn. And some of it will be, and, yep, and there's probably a southern gospel section for some of y'all. Sorry about that. I left that out. Ernie Haas, I'll be singing real high. Nobody will have to prime your pump that day or any day. We will worship and not be distracted because it is going to be, it'll be so varied and it's just everywhere and all we want to do anyway is just lift up Jesus. Because when you see him and you realize everything that he did for you, nobody will have to prime your pump. Nobody will have to sing 12 songs. It has to be a certain genre to get you a little bit going. You will be fired up every day for all of eternity to worship the Lord. There'll be worship without distraction. Shouting, rejoicing, celebrating, kneeling, you know, casting crowns. I think we'll be casting crowns. Number two, there'll be service. Now, I'm not going to spend much time here. I think God will have a job for you to do. I don't know what it is, but you're in a city, a massive city I think there'll be something for you to do. Now, I don't know what that is. We'll have to get there and find out. Number three, there'll be fellowship. You instantly know everybody, so you're going to talk and share with glorified saints nonstop. You can't cover all the millions of people. You won't be able to do it. It'll take you all eternity. Scott, Scott, we never met, but I know you. You're Scott Picardi. That's right, you're Christmas star. Scott, come over here. Tell me your story. When would you get saved? Scott will tell me a story, what the Lord did for him. When did you get saved? I'll tell him my story. And we'll just share how good the Lord is and things the Lord has done. And I'm like, I never met this guy, but I love this man. It's like my brother. I know that's Scott Picardi. Hey, come here, y'all. This is Scott Picardi. Well, you know, that's Scott Picardi. Everybody know. He's probably tired of me saying his name right now. He's an elder. I'm allowed to use him for an illustration. So we'll be just talking and fellowshipping, and it's just be nonstop. And then there'll be learning and training. Because in the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign of Christ, the Bible says that we will be priests and kings and rule and reign with him. So a priest teaches the law of God, and a king rules territory. So I think there will be leadership training courses to get you ready for when you come to earth and you are in charge governmentally. I also think you'll be learning theology. And with your enhanced mind, you'll be able to grab stuff just like this, 
teaching techniques, and you'll be able to come down, and God will be able to use you to teach tons of people the law of God when we rule and reign on this earth. And finally, there will be rest without boredom. Some of y'all can't sleep. Some of y'all feel like your body never shuts down, your mind never slows down. But I'm here to tell you, when you get to heaven, you're going to experience, it's, it'll, be a, it'll be a mystery. It'll be an anomaly. You'll have unbelievable energy, and at the same time, you can just shut it off and sit down and rest a little while. Scott, you feel like resting? Yeah, come over here and let's just rest a while. My shift's over. Next saint can take it. Let's just take it easy. And it'll be wonderful. What does that song say? If you could see me, see me now, there's no schedules to keep. We're all enjoying Jesus. You see, I don't understand it, but all I know is it's going to be awesome. Now, y'all been shouting a little bit. Y'all want to shout? I expect some shouting here, but if not, then that's fine with you. I've already shouted over this. Let me tell you, that's what is happening. Can I tell you what's not happening in heaven? Y'all ready for this? This is what's not happening in heaven. Here, I'm going to make it personal. You'll never be stressed. You'll never be embarrassed over anything. You're never going to have fatigue. You're never going to get frustrated about something. Nobody will ever disappoint you. Nobody will ever discourage you. You'll never be worried about one of the, some of you worriers. You'll ne- get ready. That day will come to an end. You'll never worry again. There will be no anxiety attacks happening in heaven. Nobody will have depression in heaven. You won't feel one lick of pain in your body. You will never get sick. You don't have to worry about seeing a doctor because there aren't any doctors. You won't go to a therapist. You won't go to a counselor. You won't go to a lawyer. We don't need any attorneys in heaven. You won't visit a pharmacy, a hospital, a funeral home, and you'll never find a cemetery. Those are some things that are not happening in heaven. Makes you want to go, doesn't it? Come on, somebody give him praise in this house. Hallelujah. Ah. I'm doing good. I'm not talking about my preaching, just time. So let me connect the dots between last Sunday and this Sunday. The rapture and the resurrection. Let me tie it to connect it. What will we do in heaven after the rapture and the resurrection? Because, you know, for us, what if the Lord came today? Now that would interest us. Because all that other stuff is going to be brand new. But are there events that are significant for that period, what I think will be seven years. During the Great Tribulation, the seven years, Daniel's 70th week will be in heaven. So if the rapture took place and the resurrection, boom, we're in heaven. What are, what are some things that will be happening besides all of these other wonderful things that I've just preached? There are two that are specific. The first one is the church, the bride of Christ will be presented to Jesus in holy matrimony. Let me show you a verse. Revelation 19, 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give God glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Now, wait a minute. Some of you 
thought you heard me say the marriage supper of the Lamb. But I didn't say that, did I? I didn't say marriage supper. Because some of y'all are familiar with the marriage. That's not what I said. What did I say? The marriage. The marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous act of the, who's the wife? The saints, the church. And this is why, among many reasons, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Post-trib, we go up, we come right back down. When's the marriage? And consequently, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because in those days, when you got married, they had a massive feast. So this will be the consummation of our salvation when we're presented to Jesus. And when's the only time when you get all the saints of God together at one time? It'll take the rapture and the resurrection. The only people left down here are sinners and national Israel. But all the saints, for the one time, for the first time, we're all together. The bride is complete. Stand, my God. Y'all feel what I feel? I feel the Holy Ghost. Standing before the Lord, and we will be presented to him, and we will be his wife, and we will be one with the Lord, and, and it will be the consummation of our salvation. It means, it, it means we've arrived. There's no more waiting. There's no more expectation. There's no more, no more hindrances, no more hiccups, no more wondering when is this going to happen. It's done. We are one with the Lord for all eternity. What a moment that will be when we'll know it's done. Death will never separate me. Sin can't separate me. So shall I ever be with the Lord. And yeah, will there be a marriage supper of the Lamb? I believe there will be. Now, some people think that's spiritual. It might be. Some people think that it, it could be the communion. It might be. It might be a full-blown feast. That's what I'm hoping. The second, but that can only happen, see, when the rapture, the resurrection takes place, all the church is there. The second is what's called the, the judgment seat of Christ. Often it's called the Bema seat. Now, this is not the great white throne judgment. This isn't dealing with your sins. That's, that's, that's a non-issue. But the Bible, let me show you. Let me just show you this. Let me, uh, put, put, this put it up on the screen, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And then there's another scripture, I'm not, I didn't want to pull this up, but that, that judgment seat is Bema, and that is not the same as the judgment seat where you, the judgment is passed on you like when Pilate passed judgment on Jesus to go on the cross. The, the Bema is a different judgment seat, entirely different. This is where you are rewarded for the works that you've done. And there's another passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about that the works that you've done will be tried in fire. And the works that you've done that weren't very godly or good, or you did it with wrong intentions or reasons or half-hearted, they're going to be burned up and you're not going to get reward. But for the times when you did it because you were a child of God and you were representing Jesus and you helped somebody, you probably didn't even realize you were doing it. You just thought you were doing nice things for people. You will be rewarded for what you've done. It will make it through the fire. 
And there are some people, by the way, that are going to get to heaven who, who, who just never took the time to volunteer in church or do what the Lord told them to do or be the obedient. They're saved. They're going to make it to heaven. But every, anything they did try is going to be burned up, and they're going to get nothing. The Bible says that they'll be saved, but as through the fire. As they came through the fire, but they get nothing to show. And, and you're going to wish you could go back and do it over. That's why you need to help people and serve people and volunteer and work in the church. Pastor Amy could use children's workers. Pastor Evan could use youth workers. The media team could use people. We always need ushers. We need connect team members, greeters. We, we, we all, there are opportunities way beyond that. Get involved and do things, and not just in church but outside of the church. When you got an opportunity, do something in the name of the Lord for people. And the Bible says we'll stand and we'll be rewarded. I don't know what all the rewards are, but I do know that I, I really think that it's going to be connected somehow with our assignments when we come to earth for the millennial reign of Christ. Because the Bible talks about numerous crowns that will be given to the saints. The crown of life, the incorruptible crown, the crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory. These are in the scriptures. Crowns represent authority. Prince Charles, yesterday, five o'clock our time, was coronated as the king of England. And I told my wife, I said, I don't know why Americans get so caught up in this. We just think it's the coolest thing in the world. We had a war to get away from that guy. Okay, I know. I understand history. I know he's just a figurehead and Britain's our ally. I know all that. But we're in, I think, we're just fascinated. All oh, the royal family, Harry and Meghan, like Luke and Laura, man, what's going on, you know? You have to be over 40 to even know what I'm talking about. But they put a crown on his head. And when they put the crown on the head, the prince became a king. And so when we receive crowns, we receive kingly authority. So this, the judgment seat of Christ, may be the moment when you get your assignment. Lord, where do you want me to, where do you want me to serve, Lord? Thought I'd send you to Hawaii. Oh, thank you, Lord. Those of you that do so good, Lord, what about me? I was thinking about Siberia. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Now, I know we're laughing, and I, you have to understand, we get bits and pieces of this. We get just enough to make us want to get there. And that's why I said, if, if I'm missing some of this, I, I, I'm saying up front that some of this I'm trying to piece together. Okay. Let, let me land this plane. I've been preaching for a long time. Let me tell you what makes heaven so wonderful. It's not the streets of gold and the gates of pearl. It's not the walls of jasper or the tree of life or the crystal river. It's not angelic beings or Old Testament saints or your family members or my daddy being there. What makes heaven wonderful 
is Jesus. Jesus is what makes heaven heaven. There's a guy years ago, Lord, I don't even know how old he is, or if he, he may not still be living. I, I should have checked, but there's a guy, Dwight Thompson. Some of y'all older remember Dwight Thompson. He's a great preacher. One of his classic messages, I heard him preach it, classic. He talked about heaven. He talked about it, but every time he'd talk about it, he'd say, but that's not what makes heaven heaven. Heaven will be heaven because Jesus will be there. Then he'd preach on something else, and he'd come back, and he'd say, you know, that's not what makes heaven heaven. Heaven will be heaven because Jesus will be there. I, I don't listen to, I, I like Southern gospel, but I don't listen to a lot of Southern gospel. Sometimes I'll flip on 103.1, and I flip it on Sunday morning sometimes because I think it's probably better to listen to that than 70s on 7 on the way to church. So I listened to 103.1, and some guy came on, I can't even remember his name, and he, and he said, anywhere Jesus is, that's heaven. Some of y'all may have heard that song. I never heard it, but he said, I don't care about streets of gold. He said, dirt roads will do for me. He said, I don't have to have a mansion. I'm real comfortable in a cabin. He said, I don't have to have a crystal sea. I can handle a pond. He said, just as long as Jesus is there. I, I, I've said for years, if heaven was a ghetto, it'd be, it'd be heaven as long as Jesus is there. Oh, it's gonna, it makes you want to go, doesn't it? it? Makes you want to go. I want the musicians to come. You know, I did a little study, and I found out that, believe it or not, especially here in America, people believe in heaven, and most people want to go to heaven. Recent polls revealed that nearly 80% of Americans believe there is a place called heaven. Many expect, when asked, they expect that they'll go there when they die, but they aren't too confident. If you ask them if they're going to heaven, they don't say yes. They say, well, I hope so. I think so. I think I've got a chance. And then if you ask those same people, well, why would God let you into heaven? They'll say, well, I'm a good person. Now, if you start taking them through the Ten Commandments, you can show them real quick. By the time you get done, they're not a good person. And then you say, should God still let you in? And they'll say, no, I don't, I'm not so sure now. And that's when you tell them about Jesus. I'm religious. I go to church. It's fine, but if you go to church and you aren't saved, you're just a church goer. The Bible says, and I say the Bible because it's God's word, so God says that the only one who goes to heaven is the person who is saved from their sin because they've trusted in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. You get to heaven by the grace of God. You get to heaven by the merits of Jesus' work when he died on the cross for you. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. Not religion. Not good works. Not anything else. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through So here's my serious question. We've laughed, we've rejoiced, we've shouted, but here is my serious question. If Jesus came right now, if the trumpet of God would sound, the voice of the archangel, 
the shout of Jesus as he steps over the battlements of glory to come get his bride. If Jesus came right now, would you go to heaven to be with him? It's a good question. If you die today, God forbid, but on the way home or sometime or in, in, in tonight while you're asleep, you die in your sleep, would you wake up in the presence of the Lord in heaven? It's a question you need to ask yourself. Revelation tells us that there is a list in heaven of the names of all the citizens of heaven. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. One more question. Is your name in the book? Because the only people in the book are the people who have said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I turn from my sins and I accept you and confess you as my Savior and Lord. And then they get up and they turn from sin and for the rest of their lives, they live and walk with Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to be as straightforward as I can. Is there anyone in this house that would raise their hand in an honest moment say, Pastor Chris, I need to be saved. I wouldn't go to heaven if Jesus came right now. I need to be saved. I want to be saved. Will you throw your hand up fast as you can? God bless you. God bless you, honey. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. I see you. Put your hand down. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am, I see you back there. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Thank you. People, people being honest, I love it. Honesty will get you someplace with God. Anybody else? Got some honest people. Join in there. I need to be saved, Pastor. I want to be saved today. I want to go to heaven. More than that, I just want to be right with the Lord. Because if I'm right with the Lord, then that's what makes heaven heaven. Because I'm right with Jesus. Okay, so so thank you. Thank you, young lady. I see you raised your hand. I I recognize the people who've been honest. It means a lot to me, and it means all the world to God. Because he sees your heart already. So when you're being honest before him, boy, you've got his attention now because he knows you're being, you're being real, you're being humble, and you're hungry. So let's do this. I've found it's one of the easiest ways to help people. This church and I will help you. We will pray what we call the sinner's prayer. I've had people get saved. Their lives gloriously changed by doing this. We'll all pray this prayer. You who raised your hand, you talk to the Lord and pray this prayer with us. But you mean it. You say the words we give, but you say them to Jesus. You might start crying. There might be some passion. Your voice may tremble, but that's all right. You tell the Lord these words with faith and humility and say, God, I'm just ready to receive from you your grace, your goodness to me that I don't deserve and believe that God is going to change. And when you get through praying, believe and know that God will have saved you from your sins. And like they sang, gone, gone, all my sins are gone. And you will open your eyes and look up and you will be a child of God, justified, righteous, changed. And you can walk out of this place with the presence of the Holy Ghost will be inside of you. You can walk out of this place to live for Jesus 
for the rest of your life. So when you die or he comes, boom, your name's on the list and you'll go to heaven to be with him. So everybody pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I confess my sins. I'm so sorry for my sins. I don't want to be this way. I want to be a good person. I want to be right with you. Please forgive me of my sins. Please, God, take my sins away. Please change me. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be the leader of my life. Be my Lord. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. I believe His death, His blood has the power to cleanse me and make me right with God. My trust is in You. My hope is in You. So right now, I declare that I'm a child of God and that I belong to You. And I repent of my sins. And I'm not going to do sin anymore. I'm not going to commit sin anymore. I'm going to live right and serve You. So thank You, Jesus for saving me, coming into my heart, taking me as your own. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody tell them, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me today. Thank you, God. I don't deserve it, but thank you, Lord. I feel like something's happened inside of me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for being good to me. Come on, say this. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. And I know that I am. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.